On today's show, Alex and I will recap the Everton U23's Premier League 2 winning match in a 1-0 win over Brighton. A couple questions to discuss there. We'll then move on to a quick loan update, talk about some of the players that Everton will have returning from loan at the end of the season and which players will be leaving on a permanent basis. And then, of course, we'll get into the preview of Sunday's clash against Manchester United. This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the American Toffee Podcast. I'm here with Alex, of course. Everton have won the Premier League 2 for the second time in three years under David Unsworth after a 1-0 win over Brighton and Hove Albion at Goodison Park. Alex, how much do you, you make of this achievement? Um, it's pretty significant, you know, speaks to the quality of our, our youth setup that we have. And I, th- I think it's, you know, a good indicator overall. But what do you make of it as far as the direction that the club are heading, perhaps in the long term? I think it's awesome. Everton are known for having a very, very good academy. Uh, one of the best in England in general. And so... In terms of the fact that, you know, David Unsworth has obviously shown consistently that Everton can essentially win the title at the U23s. And mind you, the U18s perform almost just as good or just as good in their division as well. The only thing that would really kind of step up for me is, you know, we have players coming out of the academy that have been contributing kind of on the fringe, right? Like, I mean, Maybe Tom Tom Davies, John Joe Kenny, um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, maybe they're not technically on the fringe, but they're not cementing themselves. You know, they're not they're not first 10 on the team sheet. And so what we really need now moving forward is we need a lot of these players to be coming up into the first team and then really cementing themselves in the first team and showing that we can produce actual Premier League quality players because I think that's our our shortcoming right there. Yeah, and if you look around England, I think that that's a a difficult prospect for many of the clubs. The ability to translate what is undeniably a lower level of play at the U23 level, U18 level, how that translates to um, you know, the the English pyramid structure they have in place, like other countries such as Germany have you know, they have Bayern Munich too, and that team plays within the actual pyramid structure of of the, you know, German football pyramid. And so those players, you know, move up and down, they can be relegated, they can be promoted. I think it's an interesting, it's a conversation that I've heard discussed about the long-term future of the Premier League too, and how much does it really benefit? Because you don't see a ton of players that are able to make that jump. And though it is undeniably a Fantastic achievement and credit to David Unsworth for being able to get those groups of players playing with a certain style and a successful approach to the game. It just, you know, I just don't know how we're going to be able to get the players to to that next level. And Tom Davies and John Joe Kenny are the two prime examples, and they're both still very young, have plenty of time to break in. Calvert Lewin is a bit of an exception because we didn't, he didn't actually, you know, come all the way through the academy. We we purchased him from Sheffield. That's true. Uh, a few years ago. Um, but you know, if, if 
if you have if anyone has the answer, I'm sure that that many clubs in England would be paying top dollar to to get the secret sauce that will allow them to develop those players. But uh, I mean, at then part of it just comes down to luck, right? Like you can only you can only get so lucky when you have that that special talent that you just know is destined for greatness and that you're able to not not only develop him throughout his career but then also keep him long enough to bring him into the first team. There's a lot of conditions that have to be met, right? Yeah, it, I mean it's it's easy for me to say, "Oh, we need <laughs> we need five players to play for the Everton first team uh through the next 10 years and while we also you know, break into the top six and then subsequently into the top four, play Champions League. Like that, that's really easy to say. And you can't compare it to, you know, Ajax, for example, who have now moved on to the Champions League semifinals, right? Who play with just magnificent local um, talent that they breed, you know, from, from age, you know, five, six, seven, eight to all the way to the first team because it's also just a different, it's a different structure, right? Like they, although they perform and and they're a worldwide brand and they play exciting football, the thing is though, they're essentially built, you know, to, to churn out academy players, expect a lot of them are going to produce the type of performances that are going to kind of allow them to move on. And then, you know, they, they bring up the next one. The important, just the most important thing before we move on for me is the fact that and we've mentioned it a couple times on the show before this year, but Marcel Brands stated from the very beginning that he was going to make sure that all of our youth teams implement the same style of play Marco Silva um, you know, prefers and implements in the first team, which is really important because, you know, not that I'm at Finch Farm or or, you know, anywhere else for that matter watching training sessions, but I do personally feel that tactics are are kind of lost on younger players because at that point, you know, you're, you're just trying to get performances, you know, you stick to one type of system and, and you make it work. So nonetheless, I think it's a, it's a, we have a fantastic Academy. I was really excited. I actually got to tune in for 10 minutes on my phone at work and I hope that it continues. All right. Yeah. Before you took the words right out of my mouth, as far as, you know, the style of play, getting that consistent throughout all the youth setup is huge. And I think will benefit us in the long run when trying to develop these talents up into the senior team. The question I have for you, Alex, and I think this is a bit of an interesting one that may spark some debate amongst our listenership. If you had to make a prediction, so the the qualification is number of players from the, U, the, the side that won the Premier League 2 who will make more than 10 appearances for the first team. And I'm going to set the over under at three and a half. Are you taking the over or the under on that? I think I'm actually going to take the over on it. And I say that because in the grand scheme of things, 10 appearances for the first team is not actually that many, especially if, you know, you could have an actual fringe player come in, you know, let's say for example, um, I think Tom Davies only came in a couple of seasons ago because of injuries. We just literally didn't have any midfielders. And he could have very well came in, plugged into the midfield for half of a season, even via sub appearances, and then been shipped out the next year. Um, so, so I don't think it's too far fetched to get go with the over at least four players. Yeah, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and I'm going to take the under on it. I was trying to think of like what is a good 
appearance number to set to make this a realistic and discussion worthy question. I think 10 is enough where like, it's not a token odd dead rubber, you know, Europa league appearance <sighs> here. Or there. Don't remind or, me. Like, yeah. You know, games like that, like, if you reach 10, then you've obviously made enough of an impact that you're you're continuing to to show the manager that you warrant a spot on the side. And I, I'm going to take the under just because I think it's so rare to see if we're going to, you know, if the over-under is three and a half, we're expecting four or more. I, I think that that's a little bit high. I do think, I think three is totally realistic. We've got some really promising talents. Morgan Feeney, Anthony Gordon, you know, Fraser Hornby. Joe Virginia, who, if the rumors are true, is set up to be our backup keeper next year, which I'm personally all in favor of. And then Lewis Gibson, who's had a really good season, a winger. So the potential's there, but only time will tell. I just think that it's such a hard transition. You look at a player like Kieran Dowell, who won the Premier League two last time with um, David Unsworth two years ago, and he's still struggling. And there's, I think I have considerable doubts about whether he'll be able to break into the first team long-term. You know, it's an, it's an awkward age U23 because by the time you're 21, 22, you would expect to be able to be um, breaking into the first team setup. And then by the time you're 24, 25, if you're not there, then I think it's almost too late to really, I mean, you could be a late bloomer, but you know what I'm saying? Like the, the margins are very fine. There's a very tight window of two or three years where you really have to step your game up. I absolutely agree with you. I'm. I don't want to say that about Kieran Dowell yet because I really like him. But you may be right. And and for me, it just seems like it's it's fitness. Like he he never seems like he can keep up with the tempo of the match. Um, furthermore, it's just kind of about consistency, which I guess you can say about every player except for maybe maybe fifteen or twenty in the world. Ghana probably being one of them. But anyway. So let's move on to the loan update. Yeah, so uh, nothing too crazy going on. I mean, Henry Anya Kuru, who you tried last time we did, you what? tried, you tried to say his name. Anya Kuru, is that not is that not right? <laughs> you didn't say it that way the first time. Fine, whatever. Henry Anya Kuru, there you go. Scored for Galatasaray. Um, and beyond that, I mean, we have so many players on a loan, and most of them have kind of just been stinking it up. And what I really wanted to get at with this loan update is just talk about. With those players that are underperforming, ideally, you know, we send Kevin Morales to Fiorentina. You hope that he's able to at least show something that will make another club want to come in for him. Yannick Bellassi is actually having a pretty good time at Anderlecht. Um, Sandro, God, what an awful signing he was. RIP to Steve Walsh. Doesn't really make Marcel Brands' job of getting rid of all this dead weight that we have lingering around the squad any easier. And then in order to to bring in new players, we have to get rid of the old ones. And so just the overall success of the loans is, I would say, pretty uninspiring. And I just think it puts a lot on Marcel Brands' plate once the season ends and he's looking to to get rid of these players. Yeah, I agree with you. We are never, I, I don't think anytime we are updated or check out players on loan, we're never dazzled by any of their performances, right? Like. Henry Onyakuru is the only one that really shows up. I mean, I think he's he's a little over... Uh, he's kind of close to a 0.5 goal to match or goal to appearance ratio, which is awesome. But, you know, he can't get a work permit, so that's kind of an issue. Otherwise, I mean, it's the others are just... In my opinion, they're out on loan so that they can just 
be away from Finch Farm and hopefully they can show some sort of anything to get snapped up, as you said. It's going to be a really messy summer, but if I'm going to be honest, I'd be happy if we ended up, you know, only signing two or three players and then getting rid of, well, in real, in reality, we have to get rid of 10 or more. I just, I just, yeah, yeah, I just don't know if even we can get rid of half of them over the summer. Yeah. And it goes back to like, we were just talking about the U setup. So you graduate from the U setup, presumably you go out on loan to a lower league side and players like Joe Williams, Callum Connolly, those types of guys have really just kind of like, you know, been stifled when they've tried to take the next step. You'd expect it just kind of is a testament to the, I think the overall quality of the Premier League too, and not knocking it in any way, but that's a big step. And then if, if you really want these players to make not just the step to championship league one, league two football, but then to the Premier League after that, they really have to show quite a bit at that lower level. And none of our, you know, the lone players that we are hoping have a lot of potential have not been great. Mason Holgate, probably the exception to that, who has been magnificent that for West true. Brom. Can't wait for him to come back. But beyond that, the players just kind of, it seems like maybe they found their level at the leagues that they're currently at. And then the players who we loaned out, hoping that they could turn it up and and we'd be able to have an easier time getting rid of them have also kind of flopped. And it just is not a great situation. And um, yeah, Marcel Brands has his work cut out for him. That is beyond a shadow of a doubt. Let's talk about Manchester United coming up on Sunday. Speaking of Marcel Brands and this young man in question, apparently Marcel Brands has been in talks with Barcelona already about signing Andre Gomez permanently over the summer. I'm pretty sure it's established. Gomez wants to be here. Everton obviously want him here. Now, the tricky part is, A, Barcelona have to let him go, right? And then B, if they do not, if they're not willing to, or maybe if Gomez, for whatever reason, against all, you know, all opinions, all current knowledge, does not want to come, he may have played his last game at Goodison Park because all of a sudden he was charged by the FA for violent conduct against Fulham for a, a leg stamp in like the 95th minute. And so he is actually out for the next three matches, Man U and then Palace and Burnley. Yeah, it's pretty devastating. Um, in our in our hopes for seventh place because he had become a really integral part of that midfield balance that we're finally starting to settle into. So it's it's bad because he's our first choice in that in that role in midfield, and we won't have him for the next three games. On the plus side, it does free up a spot for someone else to step in, and we know kind of that midfield is probably our area of the pitch with the least amount of depth, but. It does give the the opportunity for someone like a Tom Davies to come back in who we haven't seen in a while, save the odd substitute appearance, and really kind of to stake a claim for that spot and show that, you know, going into the next year, he should be rating contention for that first team for that first team role. Um, so I'm excited to kind of just see what Mar- what Marco Silva chooses to do. Does Morgan Schneiderlin come back into the fray? That's a possibility. 
Um, so there's there's a lot of of question marks, you know, because we there isn't really a like for like replacement for him. So how does he balance, particularly in this upcoming game against Manchester United? Who does he go with to try to try to you know recoup some of that midfield chemistry that has been so good? Save the Fulham game for for the last month or so. He really has. I mean he he got that slight rest right over the international break, and since then he's really been back to extremely good form. And honestly, like the rest of the squad, it is going to be really interesting to see who fills in for him. You know, we have Tom Davies, which is, I think, the easy choice in terms of of what probably most of the fan base would choose. As you mentioned, we have Morgan Schneiderlin, who, unbeknownst to, I think, most people, I guess, had a really tough year personally. I guess, I think his father died maybe. And then, you know, so, which I don't think hit really mainstream media. Um, so that kind of explains why he's been having a really rough go of it recently. But James McCarthy has been back from injury and we haven't seen him step out on the pitch yet. Uh, he's made the match day squad a couple times. And so he could also be a dark horse. Do I think he's going to start against Man U? Definitely not. But nonetheless, you never know he could make an appearance. So if it were up to me, I think I would choose Tom Davies for the energy and the swagger. But I would be okay with Schneiderlin depending on, on kind of, I guess, Marco Silva and where he thinks his head's at. Yeah, we're at home. And so I hope that we'll look to take the game to Manchester United because like the rest of the games against top six, save Tottenham that we have played this season, we fully deserve points out of that match at Old Trafford. And I, I hope to, yeah, I hope that he looks to come out on the front foot. The crowd will be hopefully up for it after the full match. I don't know what the sentiment is amongst fans. I think everyone's just kind of here for the rest of the last four matches along for the ride and we'll see how it goes. And if we lose, we lose. If we win, we win. That's great. I would, I mean, a, a, a win against Manchester United to make it three wins against the top six in a season would be massive. Keep in mind that they are still very much in the race for top four. They have a game in hand and they're only two points back of Arsenal at the moment. And so um, there's a lot for them to play for, having just been eliminated from the Champions League by Barcelona yesterday. The pressure is on Ole Gunnar Skolshar, another name that I probably butchered. (laughs) Um, And then we also have a lot to fight for because the race for seventh is very much alive. And so these points are very meaningful for both teams and very, you know, three separated by three places in the table. They're not in the greatest form at the moment. So the questions the questions are there to be asked, and hopefully Marco Silva is able to put forth a lineup that uh, that that asks the right questions, and we can create a little more offense than we were able to create against Fulham. I really hope so. And see, here's the thing: it's already a really spicy matchup, as you said. Both teams have a lot to gain and a lot to lose. Furthermore, man, you have not been in the greatest form. Everton, however, as a whole especially if you if you kindly just erase last weekend from your memory, have been in fantastic Gladly. form. And here's the kicker. Here's what makes it really spicy. Lukaku returns to Goodison Park for the first time since he left for, for Man U. If you remember, last season he was actually, I think he was injured when they played at Goodison Park. And so this is going to be, I think, a pretty hostile environment for him, especially since... You know, he scored against us, I believe, last year at Old Trafford and celebrated like, you know, well, I won't say it. <laughs> yeah, 
I kind of disagree with you. I don't think the the hostility will be super high. I mean, if he scores and does some ignorant stuff, like you know, if he kisses the Manchester United badge, then that changes things. But we, it's very different from like the Ross Barkley situation, for example, who left on really bad terms, having run down his contract, and us getting a fraction really of what his market value should have been. We got seventy five million for Romelu Lukaku regardless of your opinion of his attitude while he was at the club, constant the constant talking to the media, those types of things that kind of rub people the wrong way, you can't dispute the results that he gave us on the pitch. I mean, uh, it's been a consistent talking point for everyone. The sheer number of, of goals, his sheer number of goals and how much we missed him in the lineup. So maybe there'll be a, some booze here or there, but I don't expect it to be, you know, outwardly, violent or hostile as it would have as it was for Ross Barkley when he came back that's true and you know what I I also remember seeing that video when City came to Goodison Park this season of Stone staying after and clapping the Everton fans and you know he had a nice picture with a lot of the guys Leighton Baines Jag Yelka in you know one of the physio rooms it looked like after the match and that was interesting to see you never know what if what if Lukaku uh, decides to uh, purposefully miss a penalty, Everton win, and then he stays behind to clap the Everton fans home for a for a good afternoon and evening? Okay, that sounds like a maybe a little bit of wishful thinking on your part, but I you're guess always here to bring possible. me down, James. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I, I'm here to fully support you until you stray off into the realms of just absurdity, <laughs> which tends to happen every now and then, but. Nonetheless, you know, co-host, I'm here for you, man. <laughs> and I'm just hoping, you know, someone gets stuck into Lukaku. I really am worried about the issues that he could pose for. I mean, I think I actually think tactically matchup with Kurt Zuma on Romelu Lukaku is is pretty solid. Um, and then you you take into consideration that Luke Shaw is out for Manchester United due to uh, yellow card accumulation, and then um, they of course just played last night, Tuesday night. In the Champions League, so expect some squad rotations to be made. Alexis Sanchez potentially playing, uh, getting Premier League minutes for the first time in nearly seven weeks. So that's one to look out for. Personally, I am very worried about their left-hand side. Regardless, I, I my suspicion is Anthony Martial will play out there. But Seamus Coleman, despite his form in recent weeks, I am worried about the pace and the quality that Manchester United possess and them looking to exploit that right-hand side because we know that they ain't messing around on the left-hand side with Luka Dean. That's true. And so I think that that's the area that they're going to want to exploit specifically, um, you know, that that side and then probably, you know, um, with Richarlison in front of him, expect to see Richarlison doing a fair bit of backtracking to cover defensively. I think that's a fair point. And, and if you throw in the fact that ideally Michael Keane will be starting again at presumably right center back, you know, that's just, that's a field day for anyone with pace, you know, Seamus Coleman and and Michael Keane on the right-hand side of defense. Although I don't want to take anything away from Michael Keane because he has been very, very good this season. So to wrap things up, we'll, we'll end things now with score predictions should be a really interesting game. Hard fought. I do expect to see a fair amount of goals. Alex, I'll let you go first with your prediction. I'm actually going to go for a one, one draw. I think that because, you know, regardless of of conceding two goals to Fulham, uh, I think that our defense overall is very solid, keeping a clean sheet against 
Chelsea, West Ham, and Arsenal in three consecutive matches. Man United are not as talented going forward as I would say even Chelsea or Arsenal. So in that regard, I think that it'll be a hard-fought 1-1 draw. Yeah, with fingers crossed, I mean, it has to. Phil Jagielka has to drop out and then Michael Keane come back in. I think that's kind of a no-brainer. With Michael Keane back in the fray alongside Kurt Zuma, I do think that our defense is very solid. I'm going to go with a two-all draw. Both predicting draws. Um, and I'll I'll take the point, honestly, against Manchester United. Again, just as long as we don't drop all three points, which again could happen, I'll be happy. I'm just kind of resigned to whatever happens, happens. My hopes for this season, if we get seventh, that's great. If not, then we have a whole long summer full of transfer sagas and outlandish rumors to look forward to. And as things start to kind of wind down, um, I'm just kind of at peace with how this season has gone and, and overall satisfied. I think you got to be. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.